Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hello and welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the show that navigates the pre-crisis DC Comics multiverse and explores the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Steve Higgins. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. And welcome back to the show, Steve Higgins. Steve, how are you? I'm doing wonderful today. And thank you for having me back. No, it's a pleasure. I'm I'm happy to be filling in for Peter while he's still on the mend. Uh, Hopefully he'll be back and recording very soon. Yep. Listeners, we're recording this episode on the, the 12th of January. I saw Peter yesterday. He's definitely on the mend. He's looking a lot brighter than he was the last time I saw him. But he's still not quite up to full strength with his voice. So Steve and I are recording this episode, which at this point won't be out for a month and a half or something. Maybe a bit longer, actually. Just to kind of give us a bit of a buffer so that, you know, we don't have so much to catch up on when Peter is back to full strength. Steve obviously has appeared on the show a few times before. He was Jimmy Olsen for us in our 100th episode. And Jimmy Olsen again in the 1970 JLA JC team-up. And also, obviously, Steve helped us out in our Seven Soldiers epic last year when he played Stripesy and the Crimson Avenger and Johnny Thunder and probably someone else. And then he was Uncle Sam. He had more lines than anyone else combined when we did <laughs> the Freedom Fighters story from JLA 10718. Tarnation! Damn straight. So yes, Steve, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Caitlin, don't know if you knew this was happening. Hopefully this is a surprise. (laughs) I think that she will be very surprised to hear me fully involved this time around. Not just a guest (laughs) voice, but fully on. And hello, kid. How are you? (laughs) Hello, Caitlin. Hope you're well. So today, listeners, as you're probably already aware from the listings, we are doing a story from issue 23 of Weird War Tales. I'm a huge fan of Weird War Tales. I remember buying a huge pile of them from the 50p boxes in City Centre Comics summer of 1994. It was all I read for weeks. It's one of the, the anthology titles that DC used to publish back in the day. It's, you know, similar to stuff like House of Mystery and House of Secrets mm-hmm. and the older stuff like My Greatest Adventure and Tales of the Unexpected. It's what I used to call a really good bathroom book. You could just sit and <laughs> relax and read a short story or read a couple of short stories. Have you read many issues of Weird War Tales yourself, Steve? Well... To my knowledge, this might be the very first issue or story from Weird War Tales that I've ever read. And I say to my knowledge on purpose, by design, because uh, there was a club that I was a part of in junior high. For me, that would be seventh grade, where our lunch period was split in two. There were enough students where they had to split our lunch period into A and B groups. And if you were in the A group, you had lunch first. And then while the B group was having lunch... You went and did a club activity, and then it was vice versa for the for the other group. And I remember when I was in seventh grade, I was looking over the club offerings, and there was a club called Superhero Club. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm, I'm there. That's the club for me. Little did I know that Superhero Club was actually a study hall that a math teacher at the school did for his students who were kind of falling behind, that he would walk up and down the rows while the kids were doing their homework there in class and help them out. And if a kid finished their homework, they would then get to go to the back of the room where there was a big stack of old comics and pick up a comic and start to read it. I'm the only fool, I think, who actually signed up (laughs) for this class willingly. All the other kids looked at it as like detention almost of like, oh, I have to go and, and do my homework instead of being in a real club. But I signed up willingly. And I get there, and he's like, what are you doing here? You're not in my class. I'm, I'm here to read the comics, sir. And amongst all those comics, it, you know, it's called Superhero Club, but I don't really remember that many superhero comics in there. It was really a lot of DC anthology titles. 
I remember it being a lot of House of Secrets and Mysteries. Mm -hmm. I don't really remember if there were any weird war tales amongst them, but I imagine there must have been. Sure. But I really don't have any memory of it at all. Long story short, this story is the first story in my memory that I've ever read of Weird War Tales. Wowza. It's a red letter day indeed. As I say, I'm a big fan of this series. And I think I like it so much because it's that juxtaposition of war stories and science fiction and horror ideas. It's certainly, you know, the reason why I collected so many of the, the War That Time Forgot issues of Star Spangled War Stories. Out of all the, the DC Anthology titles, it's certainly the one I've collected the most issues of. I'm about, I reckon about 15 or so, maybe slightly more than that, issues away from a full set. Steve, very kindly, has picked a few up for me recently, because some issues didn't, I don't think, made it over to the UK, but Steve's been able to pick a few up, for, and some Unknown Soldiers and some Star Spangled War Stories for me recently. Much cheaper over there than it would be to get them over here, and obviously I still have to reimburse Steve for that, which I'll do shortly. <laughs> And hopefully at the time that this episode airs, I will actually have mailed those comics to you. <laughs> the anticipation, listeners. Anticipation. I might do a live unboxing video when they actually arrive. and I could put it on our YouTube channel. That'd be fun. No, I'm, I'm not too far away from a full set. I mean, it's it's not like I've spent the last 30 years actively collecting it. For a long time, I didn't pick up any issues at all. There was a period I'd pick up a few. But over the last couple of years, I've kind of actively tried to complete a full set. And part of that is because over the last couple of years... I've been enjoying listening to the excellent Weird Warriors podcast, which obviously is hosted by Max and Rich, who, like Steve, have helped us out in the last year by recording voices for us when we've been doing the JLAJC epics. Rich has played the Golden Age Sandman for us, Wesley Dodds, and Max now, in my mind, is the definitive Ralph Dibney. He's played <laughs> the Elongated Man, and we're in the early stages of planning the next JLAJC crossover. And guys, if you're listening, I'm sorry, we're probably going to ask you to do some more reading for us. Rich, you should probably get some drama classes in because Wesley's got an awful lot to do in that one. So yes, can't recommend the Weird Warriors podcast enough. Even if you're not a huge fan of Weird War Tales, it's really interesting if you're a fan of you know comic books from the Bronze Age because you know Max and Rich touch on a lot of the contemporary stuff that we touch on, like stuff like the adverts, stuff like the editorial policies. You know, there've been some stuff recently in the episodes they've done where they've kind of noticed this sort of very favourable towards the Confederacy sort of tone that seemed to Ooh. permeate a lot of DC titles in the seventies, and it's and it's interesting looking back. The story we're doing from issue 23, they did in their 26th episode, if you want to do a comparison. And I will have to go back and listen to that myself. Yes. As I've not listened to their podcast before, and now that I've actually read an issue of Weird War Tales, I think I'm going to seek them out. So, guys, if you are listening, you've gained a listener. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a good show, and I don't think you even really have to have read the comic to enjoy it. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun, like, as much as any other comics podcast, I hope. The host's enjoyment is what makes it worth listening to, mm. as, as well as the story. So, as I say, we're doing a short story from issue 23 of Weird War Tales, cover dated March 1974, but published on Boxing Day 1973, which means it's published just after the, the very first Christmas that I ever experienced. Isn't that nice, listeners? I'll have to see if I can find a photograph of me from Christmas 1973 that I can <laughs> post on the socials. Steve, given that Peter's unavailable, would you like to tell everyone about the cover? I absolutely would. So, we have up in the upper left-hand corner the DC logo of the Time, which I have to say, not my favorite of the DC logos. It's basically just a white circle with blue DC letters in, in the center, although it does say the line of superstars above and below the DC. On the upper right, we have another circle, white circle, that has 20 cents, number 23, March. In the center, upper of the cover image, we have the mystery and madness of Weird War Tales and a very striking logo. 
you know, in the middle of the word weird, we have like a string of bodies. It looks like it just, yeah, just kind of gruesome. Brilliant, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and uh, I'm always struck by the fact that the word tails in the Weird War Tales logo seems to have been an afterthought of the design. Like it's Weird War Tales. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because at, at this point, there's a few weird titles being published. Like this is around about the time that you know, the Comics Code has relaxed mm-hmm. a lot of its its rules. So. You know, Marvel's publishing its Dracula book by now. House of Mystery and House of Secrets, and especially Unexpected, have gone away from being general sort of adventure or, or rotating sort of super character anthology books to full-on sort of horror titles. But you also have Weird Western, which starred Jonah Hex for the, the longest time. Mm-hmm. There was Weird Mystery Tales, and Adventure Comics was rebranded as Weird Adventure Comics mm-hmm. for a little while, because obviously the Spectre's about to turn up in there. We'll be getting to those stories very soon as well. All right, well, so to continue with the cover, the majority of the cover is a very striking purple color that catches the eye. It's, uh, it's the sky. Down at the very bottom, we have the ground, where in the foreground, we have some soldiers, American GIs that are running towards camera away from this thing that is swooping down out of the sky to come after them. And in particular, in the bottom left-hand corner, we have this extreme close-up of a soldier's face as he's running away. And the look of terror on his face is just really powerful and beautiful. I love that image. And what is swooping down out of the sky at them? Well, silhouetted behind a giant blood red full moon take a drink yep my first take a drink on the <laughs> on the earth 2 podcast but swooping down from out of the moonlight this giant red blood moon is a soldier on the back of this giant falcon with terrifying bright white eyes and these talons that are grabbing after a soldier that's trying to run away from it. And the soldier on the back of this giant bird appears to be an SS soldier based on aspects of the uniform, but it is wearing a Viking helmet, it is wearing a giant cape, and it is a skeleton man with his skull fiercely frowning at us and his bony fingers gripping a machine gun in his left hand. And it's a very, very striking image. I know that if I had seen this comic on the stand in 1973, I would have been like, ah, and I would have bought this right away. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful cover. It's a cracker. I think the, the, the lead story in this issue of Weird War is called The Bird of Death. Ah, uh, makes sense. <laughs> Nothing replicating the events of this cover actually happened in, this, in the story. <laughs> Bit of a Defenders cover, as I always say. Of course. Listeners, if you haven't done so already, go and buy a copy of Defenders issue 39 and read it and then look at the cover. But it's it's a very, very effective cover. I'm, I'm actually, I'm obviously going to pick out some issues of Weird War Tales to, to post a little cover gallery on the socials. And this is a beast. It really is. The, the covers are often the best thing about this series. I mean, it's the same with all the mystery books, you mm-hmm. know, especially the Neil Adams covers for House Ooh. of Mystery and House of Secrets. You know, they're, they're stunning. You know, DC should just publish a book of the covers of these sort of series it would sell like your proverbials it's a cracker i look forward to it popping up as our profile picture so the story that we are covering buried deeper into the comic it's a short story so we'll see how long it takes us to get through <laughs> we have an opening panel quite a large panel takes up the full left hand side of the opening page it's, it's an aerial shot of an island in the middle of the ocean we can see some birds flying overhead and can see a little detail of what looks like a little shack at the top of the island a little structure and there's a couple of jagged speech bubbles, which are obviously indicating the fact that a conversation is taking place across the radio. The first voice can be heard saying, HQ to radar station Gamma. Any sightings to report, Kelly? Yeah, a spaceship from Mars, a flock of Goonie birds, and General MacArthur flying a very high kite. Panel two cuts to inside 
this little structure. And we see Corporal Kelly, kind of auburn hair, hint of a moustache, sat operating his radio equipment, speaking to his microphone, as after the gag about General MacArthur, the other voice replies, Cut to wisecracks, Kelly. War's a serious business. Well, what did you expect me to spot on this godforsaken island? Quit bugging me. I'll report anything unusual. Panel three, obviously, some little time has passed because Corporal Kelly sat on his bunk. We can see some of the detailing. We see it's not the nicest place. Bare walls. There's a, an oil lamp on a table in front of him. Box of supplies. And he's sitting, fiddling with a can of beans, as he says to himself. I joined the army to see some action. And where do I wind up? Watching a lot of stupid blips and dying of heartburn from these crummy sea ration cans. I... And then he screams. As he's suddenly surrounded by a swirling red, orange, yellow vortex of weird shapes and lights. And he starts to dissolve. And the next panel, we're greeted by the sight of a couple of decapitated skulls. And one of them... Our host for the story says, The lonely G.I., craving the excitement of combat, had all but resigned himself to death from boredom, until fate suddenly cast him into Corporal Corporal Kelly's Private Private War. War. And uh, it says the art is by Alex Nino and the script by George Cashton. Awesome. Captioning for the first panel of page two. A dizzying swirl through a dark, endless void. Yeah, and we see Corporal Kelly tumbling through the swirling red and yellow and black and orange vortex. Terrific stuff. Till finally... Yeah, we're in some kind of weird alien laboratory. There's the residual effects of the vortex as we see Corporal Kelly lying on a metallic tabletop with equipment ranged all around him and above him and a couple of aliens standing in front of him. Now, we'll try and describe them. They're sort of purple-skinned. Imagine sort of Sinestro colour scheme. But it looks as though the front of their face has been either been sliced off or where their mouth should be. There's actually like four or five eyes. They're really quite hideous. Instead of arms, they have little tentacles. And they're standing watching Corporal Kelly materialising. And the first of the aliens says, I warned you those were dangerous forces you were tampering with, Professor. And the other alien replies, All I was seeking was a clue from his dimension. I never dreamed the ray would transmit a living being. In panel three, Corporal Kelly sits up. There's little bursts of gold energy around him, which to me suggests he's just woken up, or else it's the residual remnants of the vortex. He wakes up, sits up, sees the aliens and says, Will someone please tell me what the gag is? How'd you guys pull it off? And one of the aliens takes him by the wrist, circles his little tentacle around him, saying, It's no joke, my friend. You have actually journeyed across an interdimensional void. The next panel, we're outside the building that they're in. We're up quite a high shot, looking down. It's a very stylized looking structure. Down in the parade ground in front, we can see about 10 or 12 spaceships. Rows of what are presumably alien soldiers standing around from inside the building. The alien continues saying, Unfortunately, there is little you can do to help us. Besides, our war is none of your concern. Hold it, pal. Did you say war? Yes. Out there, you see our army, girded for an attack that's doomed to failure. The enemy's weaponry is much superior to ours. Funny. With all that action out there, how come I don't hear any noise? That has to do with a weakness of our race. All our vehicles, weapons, machinery are soundless because of our vulnerability to the slightest sound vibrations. We arrive at the top of page three. Another overhead shot of them making their way through the laboratory. As Corporal Kelly says, You mean, in this dimension, there are no explosives of any sort? Not even bullets? None whatsoever. Aeons ago, the means for making such weapons were eliminated. 
We depend on such forces as light wave vibrations and heat rays. Right now we'd be willing to sell our souls just to be able to create one loud sound in the enemy encampment. One of the other aliens says, Aye, that would render them completely helpless. In the next panel, we see Corporal Kelly rubbing his chin thoughtfully and looking at the tin of beans that he brought with him, the tin of beans that sat on the tabletop where he was when he materialised. And he says, One loud sound, huh? The next panel, Corporal Kelly has picked up the tin of beans and he's looking at it as he continues, Professor, your problem's solved. What? What do you mean? You need a good shot of noise, right? I'll explain my plan, but first, tell your generals to get ready for a full-scale offensive. And he says this as he starts tossing the can of beans up in front of him, and the purple alien replies, Very well. We have little to lose, anyhow. A slow dissolve. Before long. Yeah, another cracking panel that takes up the full right-hand side of page three. It's basically, it looks as though the, the purple aliens' spaceships are starting to embark into this weird twisting green and yellow vortex, which has orange and yellow lights at the heart of it. It's stunning. <laughs> From inside one of the, the spaceships, which is starting to ascend, we hear the alien voice saying, You understand, Corporal Kelly, that if your strategy fails, we'll all be wiped out. Man, isn't that what war's all about? Don't worry. As long as your sharpshooters have good aim, you'll make it. Caption for the first panel on page four. Meanwhile, in the enemy command post... Yes, we get our first sight of the enemy aliens. They're sort of pale green, a very cheesy peas sort of colour. From the back, it looks as though they've got weird black beetle haircuts, but you get some <laughs> other looks at them. They have one eye in the top of their forehead and weird mouths with disjointed teeth and, again, similar sort of tentacle-type things. And they're also in their laboratory or a control sort of section in this first panel of page four. And the first alien is saying, There is no doubt about it, General. They're sending their entire army at us. The General replies, saying, The fools! Don't they know it's suicide? I offered them peaceful surrender and they refused. Now they must suffer the consequences. Radio, all units for a full-scale attack. Yes, General. And we see some of the Green Aliens standing as another Green Alien operates some equipment in front of him. There's a touch of the, the Kirby Fantastic Fours to a lot to take in this story, mm -hmm. but we'll come back to that. The captioning for panel three of page four. But as the army moves into position... Yeah, we seem to be in the heart of the vortex that the, the purple alien ships flew into, and we can see one purple ship making its manoeuvres, and falling away from it, there's a little canister on the end of a parachute. That's interesting. From inside the purple spaceship, we can hear the voice of one of the aliens saying, Food? In a sealed container? How is that going to save our forces? I have no idea. Our orders are simply to eject the container and get as far away as possible, comes the reply. The caption for the next panel then reads, In the same moment. Yes, we're back with the green aliens, and one of them appears to be operating some kind of large gun. It's a brilliant panel. There might be room for it in the socials, there might not be. But it seems to be unleashing this giant, radiating, circular, oddly patterned wave of red energy. And as the alien fires the gun, he says, That's it! Concentrate all the heat on that floating can! And the caption for the next panel reads, Swiftly, generated by the fiery heat, the pressure builds and builds until... Yes. <laughs> now, we did laugh the first time we read through here, because there is a massive... <laughs> Splat! Sound effect. <laughs> And what appears to be the can of beans exploding. The effect this has on the green-skinned aliens is devastating. We hear a voice screaming, My ears! And general cries of, Yeah! And one of the aliens can be heard saying, The pain! I can't stand it! 
A tiny caption here tells us we're continuing the fourth page following. We pass a full page advertisement for a reprint of the famous first edition of Action Comics number one for the Batman tabloid with that iconic Neil Adams image of him running through the, the desert outside, wherever it is the city is. And then a full page advertisement for Honor House Productions Corporation, Lynbrook, New York. So you can get um, a monster ghost or onion gum or a skinhead wig or a smoke cloud or <laughs> trick baseball, x-ray specs, seven foot monster, all sorts of stuff. But then we arrive at the top of page five and a caption reads... And while the enemy still reels from the blast... It looks as though the purple aliens have landed, and they seem to be t- using their own equipment on the green aliens. This panel's phenomenal. It just looks as though the green aliens' equipment is just being silently blown up, and it's all flying up into the air, and we can see green aliens being tossed and thrown about, obviously having a terrible time. We see Corporal Kelly standing amidst the purple aliens, and he says, Yahoo! There's not a drop of fight left in him! And in panel two, we see a shot of him operating an alien gun and firing a burst of red energy at one of the green aliens who's firing a gun at him. Corporal Kelly says, But man, what a strange feeling. All these weapons going off in dead silence. Gosh, there's another slow dissolve. The caption for panel three of page five reads, Within minutes after the silent battle has ended. Yes, we can see a couple of green aliens and Corporal Kelly and his purple alien pals sat at either side of a table. One of the green aliens seems to have some kind of screen in front of him, and it's obvious that a conversation is taking place. The The green alien can be heard saying, Here it is, signed, the armistice, just as you dictated it. And the purple alien standing behind Corporal Kelly says, This is a glorious moment in our history, thanks to Corporal Kelly's super weapon. And we have another slow dissolve. Later, back in the laboratory, Corporal Kelly is stretched out on the tabletop of the device that brought him through to this other dimension. The yellow and orange energy is starting to build. It's clear he's about to be sent home. And a very sad-looking purple alien can be seen saying, Farewell, Corporal Kelly. Our gratitude goes with you. Forget it, guys. It's me who should be thanking you. And the final panel of page five, once again, we see Corporal Kelly tumbling through the, the vortex of weird shapes and lights as he thinks, They gave me a war to fight in. That's more than I can say for Uncle Sam's army. We arrive at the top of page six. In the first panel, we see Corporal Kelly seemingly asleep in front of his radio equipment and a hand on his right shoulder, rousing him from his slumber and a voice saying, Wake up, Kelly! Corporal Kelly sort of blinks himself awake and says, Huh? Then he looks round and sees another officer standing in front of him in panel two and he says, Oh, uh, uh, hi, Captain. You'll never guess what just happened to me. No need to guess, Kelly. You were asleep at your post. Panel three, we get close up of this, Captain. We can see behind him a daily calendar which reads the 7th, 1941, presumably December, because the captain says, And while you slept, your radar screen was picking up a Japanese air mission that just destroyed our fleet at Pearl Harbor. You alone could have alerted us. You mean, we've finally gone to war? The war's already over for you, Kelly. Your criminal laxity has cost too many lives to go unpunished. The next panel, we see Corporal Kelly being led from the structure by this military policeman, a couple of other soldiers standing around. Kelly says, Captain, no, you got it all wrong. I wasn't sleeping. I was spirited off to, to another dimension. Keep that talk up, Kelly. Maybe the court-martial will let you off on an insanity plea. And as he's led off, we get another slow dissolve to the final panel of the story, which is a close-up of a skull with a, a horrible bloodshot red eye in the socket. And our horror host signs off saying, Corporal Kelly spent the rest of his days in a military insane asylum, still protesting his innocence and wondering if maybe the whole thing wasn't just a dream after all. And a small caption reads, End. End.
Well then. <laughs> so obviously, listeners, that falls into our remit because it involved someone being sent to another dimension and it lets us talk a little bit about Weird War Tales. Thoughts and, and what have you? Or does it involve someone being sent to another dimension? That is the question. Well, I, th- I think <laughs> it does. We should, let's discuss that because the ending there is obviously Corporal Kelly wondering if it was a dream. And he was a seemingly asleep when when he's roused by the captain. But who, who's to say that he maybe just didn't go for a nap when he got back? But if you look back at page two, it certainly seems as though he's asleep or unconscious when he arrives in the other dimension. There's li- these little bursts of gold around him in panel three certainly, to me at least, suggest that he's just been roused. What do you think? What, what's your honest thoughts? It really is the same. I, I think you are right. I think it is the same way that he is being roused by the aliens uh, when he arrives in the other dimension is the same way the captain is rousing him here. I do take it at face value. I do think that he really did get sent to the other dimension. And it, and it's yeah. only ambiguous, you know, to make it look to them like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. You you were sleeping on the job. Yeah, that's it. I mean, when Max and Rich talked about it, they, they, they used, I think it was their 26th episode. So go and check that one out. They had different views, different thoughts to what Stephen, I think, but we're not going to tell you what they are. You'll have to go listen for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it adds to the the irony of of his fate of being sent to an insane asylum. If he had fallen asleep, yeah, you know, th- there is enough ambiguity there for us. We saw what happened. You know, it's a soldier who is frustrated but gets a chance to to help resolve a conflict and all that. And it, if he has just been asleep, it kind of takes away from what he achieved in this other dimension that he was able to sort this out and and achieve peace. And obviously the the soldiers, there's no way in heck the other soldiers are going to believe him. Yes. So it's it's the easy option for them is just to write it off as that he's mad. And then he obviously starts to, to doubt himself. No, I agree completely that story-wise, it only works for us as readers if he really did go to this other dimension. And that's yeah. the dramatic irony that we know the truth, but they think... Exactly. They think he fell asleep. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm, I take it at face value. Yeah, there is nothing worse, I feel, than any kind of, oh, it was just a dream pop-out <laughs> ending. It's the, it's the worst ending. It's rubbish. And I, th- I think, as you say, dramatic irony is, is it exactly, you know, that we know that he went, but they don't believe him and it's, you know, and he gets locked up for it. <laughs> I have to say, the, we talked about this in the preparation, the artwork is stunning, isn't it? Absolutely. I feel like the, the figure work, Sometimes reminds me of Gil Kane. Okay. Now that might just be because the one type of aliens resemble Sinestro so much mm-hmm. <laughs> that I I picture I'm picturing Gil Kane Sinestro when I look at their smushed in face with all those eyes. But gosh, some of these swirly kind of psychedelic panels of them transporting to the alternate dimension, and I mean they they evoke a little bit of Ditko to me. They evoke some Kirby esque. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of. Uh, Gosh, in Fantastic Four number 51, this man, this monster, when they start exploring the other dimension that Reed sends him and the fake Ben Grimm to, man, it's got, it's like full of these swirls and popping things and ah, it's just beautiful. And, and that's really what I'm, yeah. uh, I'm thinking of here, what it's reminiscent to me of. I, I really like Alex Nino's art. I don't know that I've come across it in the past. But he's a name that I'm going to try to research some more because this art is stunning. Yeah. Well, see, around this time, he'd been drawing the Captain Fear strip, which had been in Adventure Comics. If you remember the the issues of Adventure Comics we did a few months ago, the Vigilante, short Vigilante stories. Oh, yeah. With the Adventurers Club and all that sort of stuff taking place. Captain Fear was a backup story and Alex Nino drew that. So I think I posted a couple of pages of those on the podcast socials at the time. So, you know, if you can be bothered scrolling back, you can see them. It's very different from the, the type of artwork that we, we normally sort of read. It's, it's light years away from the, or a 
a world away, another dimension away <laughs> from the traditional superhero stuff that we normally cover. <laughs> from that point of view alone, it's really nice just to, to look at it. And some of it's a little impenetrable. I mean, at points, the point where the can gets deployed and then blown up, I mean, you get the gist of what's going on. But I remember the first time I read it through, I was like, hang on. And, you know, in preparation for recording, I was like, right, I have to be very careful at working out exactly what's going on here because unlike still, you know, a few comics around this time, the captioning doesn't lay it on thick. <laughs> yeah. There's no real see what you see captioning at this point. The artwork does tell the story and <laughs> it is very funny that um, I remember you saying what you were worried was going to happen with the <laughs> can of beans. <laughs> yes, I did for a minute think that he was going to eat the beans and it was going to be, you know, flatulence <laughs> would save the day somehow. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been outstanding <laughs> as he positions his backside in front of an alien microphone and the purple aliens cover their ears, you know, and he lets rip. Oh. No, this is uh, <laughs> this is about as about as low brow. I bet Peter is shaking his head as he has to edit this. <laughs> Apologies, Peter. No, it's a good story, and I think you know the type of story you get in Weird War Tales is quite variable. It's quite often you get these sort of short ones with a little twist in the tail. You know, the, the big twist here, obviously, is that Corporal Kelly could have alerted the American forces to Japan's intentions and, and prevented Pearl Harbor. But then what would the All-Star Squadron have had to do? You know? So we don't know which Earth this is taking place on, but All-Star Squadron's in the, in the future for us. It's an interesting one. It's a bit Twilight zone -y. You know, it's a bit... Yeah. You can imagine a Twilight Zone episode doing this exactly. Absolutely. There's lots of that sort of story in, in this book and in, in all the anthology books, to be honest. It's quite a good one, and it gives us, as I say, a rare chance to, to dip into this series. We have at least one other Weird War Tales issue that we'll be returning to, but that's quite a way off, quite a way off in the future. Um, and we'll see what happens when we get to that one. Anything else before we... Yeah, um, two two different thoughts. Uh, one, you know, there's a, a short Alan Moore story that he did before Watchmen while he was kind of working for DC early on. I believe it's reprinted in, in uh, an anthology of his shorts that he did that includes mm -hmm. that brilliant Batman annual that he did and, and also included, at least in my edition for the man who has everything, the, the Superman annual. But yeah. the Green Lantern story is from Tales of the Green Lantern Corps and a Green Lantern gets sent into a sector where it is so dark. There's so, so much of a lack of light in this sector that she's not sure how she's going to choose a Green Lantern when they can't see color and she has to then devise a way that the power ring is going to be focused on sound rather than light. Okay. And so the, the elements of this story that, that dealt with the aliens having a sensitivity to sound kind of evoked that Alan Moore story to me, obviously that Alan Moore story is in the future. And so I didn't know if maybe this is a comic that he read at some point Sure. that might've inspired him, who knows. But then the other thing that, again, I was struck knowing you so well, that you didn't jump to this conclusion yourself was, you know, we've got a soldier who's transported to another world, who's disheartened by how his part in the war has gone. And now he gets to fight a war <laughs> in another world. And that is so John Carter. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm astonished that I didn't pick up on it either. <laughs> I think if he'd made friends with an alien-style dog and been very successful with a beautiful alien princess, it might, it might have been more. <laughs> no, but you're right. Absolutely. It's very similar to, or indeed, you know, Ulysses Paxton from Fighting Man or Mastermind. I think it's Mastermind. One of the other, the later books. You're right. It's incredibly that well-used Edgar Rice Burroughs device of a, of a military man being transported elsewhere and rising and succeeding in a way that he wasn't... <laughs> 
to quite the same heights that he did in his in his home plane of existence. Though you're absolutely right, it's ridiculous that <laughs> I didn't think of that. To be honest, even the title Corporal Kelly's Private War, it's in that trope essentially. Absolutely, poor Corporal Kelly. All being well, we might have had a cameo from our our pal Kelly during this. We'll see if that's happened. You'll know by now. You may be able to tell. <laughs> so, shall we move on to the letters page that dealt with this issue? Absolutely. Now, this is from issue twenty eight. It's only a half page of letters this time, unfortunately, which is a shame. Under the final panel of another story, which actually looks really quite interesting and quite scary. I might have to go back and dig that one out or else listen to the the Weird Warriors episode again. So from issue 28 and APO Weird War Tales, the first letter goes like this. Dear Joe, Weird War Tales number 23 was a rather mediocre issue as far as stories were concerned. Bird of Death by Albano and Alcala was corny, but art-wise, it was Alcala's show alone. Corporal Kelly's private war was proof to me that Cashton is not all that great, but it also proved that Nino is a great artist. His exaggerated style is perfectly way out. (laughs) (laughs) I hope he continues to work for your magazines for a long time. Now about the Day After Doomsday series, I always enjoyed it when it was in Giordano's magazines, and I hope it continues. I always enjoy a little science fiction in your magazines. And that letter was from Craig Ledbetter, Houston, Texas. Now, Joe Orlando's response here is, <laughs> is hilarious when he says, we're going to omit our answers to your letters this month in order to fit more letters onto this abbreviated page. Take it away, readers. And so the next letter reads, Dear Joe, man, what a trip. That Corporal Kelly's private war was a terrific tale. Alex Nino's art is superb, and the colouring was so good that it highlighted the whole job. Kashtan's script wasn't bad either. And then, A Day After Doomsday Treat. What a wonderful issue for a science fiction fan. Bird of Death was rather uninspiring, but the art was good, and I suppose it wasn't a bad treatment of the theme, but the idea is just so old. More originality next time, please, and that's from Robert Dan's Lexington, Kentucky. The next letter. Dear Joe, Bird of Death was a pretty good weird story, but it didn't hold up on the war side too well. Still, the art was very good, and the scripting wasn't too wordy, so all in all, no complaints. The back feature was great in both departments, though. George Cashton somehow made a science fiction-oriented story into a very military thriller. The twist was very novel, and art, of course, was nothing less than spectacular. And that one was from Sam Franklin, San Diego, California. So that's good. We the response at the time was pretty positive. So that's good to know. Listeners, what did you think of Corporal Kelly's Private War? You can email your thoughts to the Podcast at gmail.com, or you could comment on our Facebook post. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Earth 2 Podcast on Twitter, or X, however you want to call it, we are podcast underscore Earth 2. So what we're going to do in the socials this week, well, we'll put up the cover, obviously, we'll put up a few select panels, put up a few other Weird War Tales covers, but interestingly, in my collection, I'll hold this up for the benefit of our YouTube <laughs> viewers, and so Steve can see okay. it, I possess issue 5 of the French publication, The translates as The Burning, I believe, the Brulon, it says. Magazine de bande dessinées, nouvelle et vérité. Anyway, <laughs> which not only reuses the cover to Weird War Tales, issue 23, covered very slightly differently as well. It also reprints Corporal Kelly's Private War in black and white, obviously in French, but reformatted so it actually runs to, I think, one or two more pages longer. So I'm going to carefully photograph all of those pages and put them up on the socials so that you can have a look at them, listeners, as well. So make sure you check out the socials for all the superb bonus content that we try and bring you every single week. Steve, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I always love being a part of what you all do here. It's my favourite podcast. 
It is my daughter's favorite podcast. Uh, so hello again, Caitlin, one last time. And I have to say it really is special to me that she and I get to listen to this and share my love of old DC Comics. I'm turning her into a proper nerd by getting her into comics that were around even before I was born. So, <laughs> But again, thank you so much. And again, I really hope that Peter is on the mend. By the time this airs, he'll he'll be back 100%, yeah. I'm sure. Hopefully, hopefully he will. Is there anything you want to promote or, or tell us, tell the listeners about that they could seek out that you might be involved in? Oh, sure. Actually, considering that I mentioned my daughter, Caitlin, so much on this podcast, I am part of a group of comic creators in the St. Louis area known as Ink and Drink Comics, and we publish an anthology every year. Pre-pandemic, it was two every year, but since the pandemic, we kind of slowed down a, a bit and have only published one a year in which we kind of decide on a theme or a genre or a story type, and everybody then puts together some short stories, which is very akin to like weird war tales, weird Western tales, and the House of Secrets, House of Mystery. And our most recent book was a book of kids' stories, all ages stories. And in that issue, my daughter, Caitlin, came up with a story, which I then translated into a script for an artist that we're friends with called Wave Girl and the Mists of Madness. Awesome. The general anthology is called Juice Box 2. It is available through any book distributor in the States at the very least, but I believe it's available in Europe. Juice Box 2 by Ink and Drink Comics. And so if you search on whatever website you might use to purchase books or, you know, if you go into a brick and mortar, if you ask them to order it, it is kind of print on demand. So it might say that it's out of stock. But if you say, right. well, just order it for me anyway, it will magically be in stock all of a sudden. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, yeah, that's what I would plug. Juice Box 2 by Ink and Drink Comics featuring a story that was created by my daughter and that I scripted and then my my friend Elizabeth did the art on and she brought it to life for us. Awesome. <laughs> Hopefully you send me a copy of that when you send me my unknown soldiers and weird war tales and what I you. have it on the stack and it is personalized yes. to you by Caitlin. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Right, cool. Well on that bombshell. Listeners, I can't remember what we've got shared for next week. You'll have to join us and find out. I've been David Steele. And I've been Steve Higgins filling in for Peter Watson. And we'll see you next week on the, the Earth, Earth Two Podcast. Podcast. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. The first voice can be heard saying, HQ to radar gamma... Oh, got that completely wrong. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good start. HQ to radar... I did it, I got it wrong again. I'm sorry, Pete. Try it again. Third time's a charm. <laughs>